Good afternoon, everyone. I really, again, want to repeat, if you're visiting with us this morning, welcome. You know, people have been asking me, what's the guy on the right doing? I guess there's supposed to be a finishing tape in front of him, and that's his uh, little victory, uh, you know. You're supposed to do that when you're first. So uh, maybe not many of us had the opportunity to do that, but... uh, I, I thought of maybe using it as the W and win, you know, looking at his arms. But, but it's uh, it's great to be here today, and it's uh, it's a uh, it's a great uh, a great occasion just to get friends out and and actually share a meal together afterwards. It's always fun to look forward to food, and uh, you know this this theme of run to win does fit in with sort of where the UK is uh, focused this year. Uh, you've probably noticed that there's an Olympics taking place. Uh, in the UK this year, and uh, London is going to be the host, and all over the world, people are preparing to come to the UK for this single purpose. Now, there's a small group of people, I mean, measurable in the hundreds, maybe a thousand, who are coming as athletes, and uh, they are working hard. They are training, they're devoting themselves, they're getting ready for the test of their lives, and they're really, you know, they're hoping it's going to be glorious. And uh, then there's uh, thousands and maybe millions of people coming as spectators. And they're working hard right now just to pay for the tickets and uh, pay for the hotel and, you know, admission and all these different things. But they're also excited and they're looking forward to it. And I just, I thought it'd just be appropriate to get into the spirit of this message to look at a little ad. You have to forgive me that it is an ad. It's the best I could find on YouTube. Uh, I didn't want to make my own. But if we go to the next slide, we'll see. We need some sound for sure. Okay. Should be sound. <laughs> okay, good. We'll start that again. NBC, that's a free plug for you. (laughs) Anyway, you know, it's kind of exciting to look at it that way, isn't it? You see all this energy, you see this excitement, and you see people also, you know, struggling, don't you? There are a couple of those little clips where people are falling or they're, they're, you know, they've missed the target, and you can see the pain. But you see the intensity of their lives. You know, what is it that catches people's imagination about the Olympics? Is it fame or glory? Is it skill? You know, isn't it amazing sometimes just to watch and see what a human being can do? I mean, it doesn't seem fair sometimes. They have a body and I have a body. But look at what that body can do, you know. It's just pretty amazing. Look how high that person can jump. Look how fast they are. Look how thin they are. You know, all these different things. I mean, but you can, you can have all these thoughts and you, you look at their physical condition. And they're just on the, the edge. You know, they've been training so hard. But then as you look into that, you see character, don't you? And you see hard work. 
You know, who lazy, what lazy person has ever won the Olympics? You know, it's still not happened. And, and believe me, it's not going to happen. Even all the natural ability in the world won't win you the Olympics. Because someone with less ability but more character and training, they're going to beat you. You know, what is the Olympics about? Achievement, reward, gold, athletic equipment, endorsements. You know, getting to uh, you know, be the spokesman and get lots of money. Okay, I don't, I don't know what people are looking for, but there's an excitement there. And for most of us, you know, there's a little excitement. Sort of depends on what country you're from. Uh, you know, for me, I'm a Canadian. And the Summer Olympics just really aren't our thing. Uh, you know, we sort of keep waiting for the Winter Olympics. That is, uh, you know, where at least we, uh, you know, yeah. Anyway, um, but you know, it's amazing, uh, as I was looking through some of the clips, uh, everyone knows about Bolt, yes? And, uh, I mean, this guy can run. And, uh, you know, he was even in the middle of that clip. And, you know, there's a few Jamaicans here who, oh, yes, uh, you know, you feel a little proud, you know, pride. You don't know this guy. You didn't go to school with him. He might be a relative. Oh, you do. Okay, maybe you do. But, you know, he's a... but at the end of the day, you know, there's a little nationalism that happens and we get excited. And about seven centuries before the time of Jesus, the Greeks began to celebrate athletic games in the city of Olympia. And they actually were dedicated to the gods. Uh, That's not what's interesting to us. But by the time of the writing of the New Testament, the idea of comparing life or competing in the games... Uh, uh, was, was very real. That people could think about their life as a race or as a competition. Now sadly, if that competition is against other people all the time, if it's only about winning with other people, it gets pretty discouraging and it destroys relationships. But the image that we have in the New Testament isn't one of fighting against each other. In fact, the good news is we're on the same team. And what we're really trying to do is just do our best. We're trying to succeed in a way that's, that's, uh, that's really going to bring honor and glory to God. We're going to read in 1 Corinthians 9, 24-25. It is up there. But it says this, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run? But only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. You know, from this text, there's just three thoughts I want to take out. One is, run in such a way. The other is strict training. And the third, then, is a crown that will last forever. You know, what this scripture is saying, life is like a race. Did you ever have a dream? Where suddenly, out of nowhere, you find yourself in danger. You just, you don't know how you got there or whatever. You just, you know, that's the, it's scary, isn't it? And can you imagine if you woke up, just suddenly you were transported from this moment, and you found yourself at the starting line of the 100 meters at the Olympics? Can you imagine how you would feel? I mean, maybe Jordan Baker would be the only one kind of going, yeah, I'm here, you know, give me a chance. But, you know, I think most of us would be going, 
what is going on? Man, and everyone's looking, and the guy's saying, on your mark. Man, and you're going, wake up, wake up, I want to wake up. It'd be like a nightmare, right? But see, I think what's interesting in our lives is uh, we start off our lives really unaware of sort of what it takes to live. You know, when you're a baby and people are taking care of you, and even as you're a little child, you don't worry about anything. You know, everything's provided. And uh, even if your, your family's in a rough situation, often you don't even know it. Because mom and dad or a single parent, they're doing the best they can to take care of you. But see, there comes a point in your life where suddenly you, suddenly you realize, this is harder than I thought it was going to be. Suddenly, it's kind of like waking up and realizing, I'm in the Olympics. I'm in a competition right now. And it's difficult. And I'm straining to do what is right. He says here, run in such a way as to get the prize. You know, another scripture that helps us understand this. Let's go to the next slide, thanks. Is 2 Timothy 2, verse 5. It says, similarly, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. You know, there are always rules in any competition. You know, one of the rules is you can't leave the track. No shortcuts across the infield to get to the other side and then come back around. You know, you have to follow the track. And the rules kind of make it fair for everybody, but they define the course that you're doing. And see, if we are going to compete in this, run, run this race for life, we've got to understand how it works. Now, who feels like they're in a race? Are you, are you, under, are you getting this feeling? Do you, do you feel like life is a race? Do you feel like you're in a competition? Do you feel like you're facing some difficulties? There are rules, though, we need to understand. Let's turn over to Romans 2. Let's uh, turn in our Bibles there. Romans chapter 2. We have to run in such a way. We need to understand the rules. We've got to compete in the right way. But that means we actually have to accept the fact that God has set the course in front of us. I would ask who here asked to be born... But I know the answer already. No one asks to be born. In fact, you didn't even know you were born. I've kind of been you know, hitting this point. It took a few years for you to realize that you were you. You know? They were saying your name for a long time before you knew that was you. I heard people saying, Andy, 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 but, you know, I didn't know that was me. And then at some point, you know, I mean, hopefully it wasn't too late... I think I was 10. No, but, you know, within a few months, that was one of the first words I knew. Andy, that must be me. Whenever, ever, whenever people say that word, they, you know, they're looking at me. And, of course, if you had parents like mine, they're pointing at themselves going, Mummy, Daddy, Mummy, Daddy, you know. And you, you learn these words. But, you know, when you start off, you don't know anything. And we start in this race that God's put us in and, we have to figure some things out. One thing is, we didn't set the rules. We didn't start the race of our own decision. And so it's important to understand 
Maybe this will even help you today for where you're at if you're visiting and you just feel like somehow you got thrown into something called life and you don't know why. And somebody, you feel like it, someone's expecting you to run. Somebody, you're something you're supposed to be doing. But see, God knows exactly what that is. God who made us. Look here in Romans 2 and we'll pick this up in verse 1. It says, You therefore have no excuse who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge the other, you are condemning yourself, because you pass, judge, you pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere man, pass judgment on them, and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of His kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you toward repentance? Now, now we've skipped over all of chapter 1, but chapter 1 was actually talking about that we're without excuse to believe in God. Because God created the universe that we live in, and if we look around at this universe, it should provoke some questions. But there's another proof that God exists, and the proof is that we have a moral being. That there's something called right and wrong that means a lot to us, and somewhere in our early life, we start asking questions, what is right, what is wrong? Of course, its earliest definition is, right's what makes mom and dad happy, wrong is what makes them unhappy. That's sort of our first introduction to right or wrong. But, you know, we do start to, gr- to gain our own conscience and our own sense. And it's funny, you know when our, our sense of right and wrong really heightens? It's when we start having relationships with other people. And though it's sometimes hard to say what we do is wrong, it's sure not hard to say that what the person next to us did was wrong. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so one of the human tendencies we find is that we judge others stricter than we judge ourselves. And we're a little more negative and less gracious towards others. And what he's saying is, you have the capacity to judge others because you were made in God's image. But don't you see how kind and patient God is? Now how many people here are sinners? Okay, that's the overwhelming majority. If you didn't put up your hand, you just sinned, but we'll talk about that later. No, I'm just kidding. But, but you know, we understand, those of us that have been reading the Scriptures, we understand sinning is falling short of God's ideal. It's falling short of what our conscience even tells us is right. And so, sin is pretty easy. Pretty easy to do. But see, God, we're all sitting here alive right now. The reason we're alive is because God is both kind and patient. There's been no judgment, no lightning bolt has hit any one of us yet. We we are sitting here because God knows that He God wants us to find out how to have our sins forgiven. As Roger was sharing about the communion, we take communion each week to be reminded of the sacrifice of the Son of God so that our sins could be forgiven. And so... It's important for us to understand we're moral beings. We're in a race that has a moral side to it. Let's read a little further. It says, But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath, when His righteous judgment will be revealed. God will give to each person according to what He has done. 
to those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For God does not show favoritism. Now the difference between a Jew and a Gentile is simply the Jews had received the Old Testament revelation from God. They knew the Ten Commandments. They knew certain codes that God had given them. The Gentiles didn't. But before God, we're all the same. Because every one of us has a conscience, and we know what's right and wrong, and we make decisions. And so what he's saying here is, we've got to run this race in a way that pleases God. We've got to run this race understanding that that God is right. And see, we all feel judgment. Have, Have you ever felt guilty? Have you ever actually felt pleased with yourself because you knew you did what was right? It's coming from the same part of you. It's your conscience either approving and affirming you, or your conscience saying, no, that wasn't right. But we, we know what that feeling is. That's God working in us. We are made in His image. And actually, this race, the finish line, is a day of judgment. And it's important for us to understand this. But we need to not fear that if we know God, because God's plan is for us to make it across victoriously. God's plan is for us to be forgiven. But that plan is only understood through Jesus Christ, and that plan can only be received through faith. Just our last scripture here in this point, look in Hebrews 11, verse 6. Hebrews 11, verse 6, it's up here. It says, And without faith... It is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. You know, this first point simply, run in such a way. We have to run in the way that God has set out. God has set the rules for our lives. And we have to make the choice to run by faith, to live by faith, to put our faith in God. And so that's the thing that pleases God. It's not, not our, our talents aren't going to get us into heaven. Our own wisdom, our own understanding, our own righteousness, our own moral perfection, these things won't get us into heaven. But God can get us into heaven if we run the way He wants us to. Okay, let's go to the next slide there. It also said there'd be strict training. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. You know, I emphasize that word competes because it's quite interesting. This Greek word has actually been changed into an English word. And you'll recognize it when I say it. Agonizomai and agonia. Agony. (laughs) The word agonize is from the Greek word to compete. And the word agony is from the games themselves. You know, and, and if you're speaking Greek and you said, oh, let's go to the games, let's go to the agony. But you know, there is some agony in the games, isn't there? There is some pain there. Because you're, you're trying your very best. 
And agony happens when you're at some kind of limit. And see, we're in a training so that we can grow and be changed. Let's turn over in our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. See, God is the one who set up your race. And as I said earlier, you're not actually racing against anyone else here. You need to run in such a way to win, but that's not because you've got to beat the person beside you. Uh, this is because you need to... This, we are running this individually before God. It's really much more of a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's a long run. And really, there's a glory just in finishing. I've never finished a marathon. Do we have anyone here that's finished a marathon? Wow. Wow, that's, that's impressive. Okay. Uh, you know, it's, it's 26.2 miles. Never forget, right, Raj? Yeah. 26.2 miles. When's your next one going to be? In heaven, okay. <laughs> Almost got there the first time. Okay, yeah. You know, but it's, it's an exciting challenge. But it's agony. There's an agony when you, when it, you know, when something takes 10 seconds, you can stand just about anything for 10 seconds. But if something takes a number of hours, wow, that pain just, it just keeps on going. Look what it says in Hebrews 11. Uh, sorry, Hebrews 12 and verse 7. Hebrews 12, verse 7. It says, Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good that we may share in His holiness. No discipline, sorry, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. Isn't that easy to agree with? You know, and it, being disciplined isn't fun. But what the writer here is saying, endure hardship as discipline. When you go through hardship in your life, God's training you. God's training you for something else. And uh, this is a very important thing to understand. If you're visiting with us today and you're just thinking maybe for the first time, or, or just have come to a thought of, maybe I'd like to try being a Christian. Maybe this is what I'm thinking about. I can't stand here and tell you, oh, you know what? If you become a Christian, everything you do is going to work out and life's just going to be easy. I, I wish I could teach that, but I would be a false teacher. If I was to say, you know, you're just going to become wealthy, healthy, and have everything you want, I, I would not be preaching the Scripture. But what I'll tell you is this. If you become a follower of Jesus, your difficulty will begin to make sense. And the trials that you go through, you start to see they have a purpose. 
And looking back on almost 30 years of being a disciple of Jesus, I'm looking back and thinking, there's not one difficulty that I've gone through, one hardship, that I can't see God somehow working in my life. Now, at the time, do I wish He put me through it? No. But it, because no discipline seems pleasant at the time. But at the end, there's actually something you gain from it. You gain insight, you gain strength, you gain experience, you, gain a, you have an ability to help somebody else. All sorts of things happen when we go through hardship and difficulty. God has set up our race. You know, it's London 2012, but it's heaven for eternity. And see, that's our goal. That's really where we're trying to go. And it's earth for now. Let's look over in another scripture, 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17. God trains us through our difficulty, but He also trains us through His Word. You are holding a very amazing book right here in your hand. It is the Bible. And God's Spirit worked through uh, people to give them this knowledge. They wrote it down. But it's not their ideas. It's from God. And, and it's an amazing book. It'll speak directly to your heart. And look what it says here in uh, 2 Timothy 3.16. It says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, and correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You know, our uh, difficulties train us, but the Word of God gives us insight. And I know a lot of us go to the Word of God to, to understand even God's training program, to look for wisdom about what He's doing in our lives. You know, we pray as well. And, and, and God helps us understand the answers. But the Bible is so direct and so specific. You can go to the Scriptures and you can know God's will. What is God's will for your life? This is a question people ask all the time. But it's right here in the Scriptures. If they'll just simply open it up. You know, just in closing, we'll go to the next slide. I want to talk about a crown that lasts. You know, the Olympians are competing. They're really focusing on either a bronze, silver, or gold. They're looking for a medal. I don't think anyone's really thinking, boy, I hope I can come sixth. You know, that's not usually how it goes. They're, they're looking for something a little, little more than that. And, uh, you know, they're running for their country. They're, you know, there's, there's a lot of emotion in it all, etc. Uh, some of them have devoted their life to it. And this is, in some way, maybe going off into a career. Even though right now they're just competing as an athlete. Because you obviously can't do that forever uh, in your life. But, you know, they do it for a crown that will not last. But we do what we do to get a crown that will last forever. What are you running in your life for? What are you competing for? What is your goal? 
And sometimes it feels like my goal is just to get through this year of school or university. Sometimes my goal is just to stick it out in this job till I can find the next one. Sometimes my goal is just to get a job. Sometimes it's, you know, we have very, we have very specific things that we struggle with in this world. But what's your goal for your life? Who are you trying to become? What is your goal for your relationship with God? What about your relationship with others? Who are you running to become? You know, there's a story in the uh, Gospel of Luke about a man who came up to Jesus. Let's look there in Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. And just think of this. What an incredible opportunity. Luke 12, and we'll start in verse 13. A man came up to Jesus, the Son of God, and he had a question to ask Jesus. And think, if you had one chance to ask Jesus a question, what would you ask Him? Now there's some people, they wouldn't hesitate. Their question would be, Jesus, what is the next winning lottery number? I mean, they know Jesus had some prophetic ability. And, and they know, man, Jesus knows that He can... Or, or Jesus, you know, some, some question about material things. Look what happened here. In verse 13, someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. You know, we live in a world that is so focused on materialism. And we're bombarded with it. From the moment we get up, from the moment we go to bed, if we're even, you just walk to work, the signs just, you know, they just grab your attention. And I have to admit, a lot of uh, British advertising is quite entertaining. There's some good humor in there, and, you know, it uh, gets you thinking, and, you know, I like these puns and plays on words and stuff. I mean, look at that little NBC ad. I mean, if I could have just chopped the end off, we would have had a nice little clip about looking forward to the Olympics. But, but you know, we're faced with this advertising constantly, and it's constantly telling us our lives aren't good enough the way they are. And underneath it is a promise that if we just had more things, we would be happy. Or if we just had newer things, we would be happy. And yet, those newer things, after three years, become older things. And, you know, things just kind of... Things don't make you happy, do they? It's rare that we ever purchase anything that gives us as much satisfaction as we think it's going to. You know what, you know what I'm saying? You know, you, you go into all this trouble, you get your kids these Christmas presents, you know, and next thing you know, they're out in the snow playing in a box. All the presents are just in there, you know. It, it, it doesn't really matter. These things come and go. But there is something that matters, and that is our souls. And in God's love, our souls can last forever. In heaven... We have, we have a possibility of being with Him forever. Look what happens. Jesus told them a parable, verse 16. 
The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what should I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. See, if we just focus on this material life, if that's all it's about, and we're just trying to accumulate for ourselves things, there's going to come a point where we face the reality of, you can't take it with you. We have some great little quips like that. You know, another one is, he who dies with the most toys still dies. You know, it it doesn't matter how much you get. That's not going to give you eternal life. And yet there's so much striving after material things. If you're running that race, that's the rat race. And I'll tell you, you'll never be satisfied. You know, uh, one of the uh, secrets that uh, Bill Gates has shared with people about how he's balanced being so rich is that he, he, he figured out after a while of getting more and more wealth that he needed to start giving it away. He had to start telling himself, you, you, you can have enough and you don't need more. You know, many people never learn that. Of course, you might say, well, if I had $38 billion like Bill Gates, okay, then I, then I would learn that. But, but that's not the point. The, the point is that we can end up devoting ourselves agonizing, running after things that really don't give us satisfaction. When in fact, really what we need is a relationship with God and the hope of heaven. And see, these things will put all the rest of our life in context. You know, just to close, let's read Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. It says, and again for those not familiar with these passages, chapter 11 was a list of all these heroic figures of faithful people from the history of the Old Testament. And so after saying that, it says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Him who endured such opposition from sinful men, and so that you will not grow weary and lose hearts. You know, hopefully my message today wasn't depressing to you. You know, hopefully, uh, you know, you weren't thinking that life was just going to be a downhill sled ride and it was just going to be easy all the way and gliding. Uh, and instead, you, what you found out today is that we're all in a race that God has marked out. But God's goal for that race is that we would receive eternal life. But we must compete. 
We must agonize in that and do it the way that God wants us to. I want us just to look at a clip. It's on the next slide. Sorry, next slide. There we go. We need some sound here. This is a, a 600 meter race. You know, she she finished second. She first in her heat and second in the whole race by 0.2 of a second after falling down. And I think the, the, the point for that simply is we have to run with perseverance. You know, it would be so easy just to give up in that scenario. You know, just, wow, that's it. She was in the lead and she fell, but she got up and kept running. You know, we are in a race for our lives. We are in a race that's heading towards heaven. And God's really called us to that. And as the scripture here said, that Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. The great news about Jesus is his tomb is empty. The significance of the resurrection is Jesus has already risen and has returned to the right hand of God. And from there, he's cheering us on. He's calling us home. But we have to run the race that's been marked out for us. We can't set the rules. And so we need to figure this out, that what pleases God is faith. And the difficulties in our life, that's just training. But the glory of it is, it's a crown that lasts. 
that eternally we could be with God forever.